Happy New Year to every single one of you. So enjoyed praying with those of you who are able to join us on the New Year's Eve. What an incredible time. Just taking that 8 p.m. to midnight time to press in, to seek God, worship, pray, proclaim, prophesy, declare scriptures, uh, announce testimonies. How many of you guys had a chance to be with us that night on the, uh, on the eve of the new year? And then I tell you, I had such a blast just those last 10 minutes where uh, we had communion together in small groups. And then we came down here to the front, had the countdown and the sparkling. And what a fun, fun moment that was for me to enjoy that with you. If you were missing last week, I, I want to encourage you to listen to the podcast. Apostle Dutch Sheets was with us. And if you don't know who he was, he, he was the senior leader of at that time, Freedom Church, which is now Antioch Church. He handed the church ministry off to me exactly five years ago. Five years ago, New Year's Day, he handed the ministry of this house off to my wife and myself. And uh, he's been fulfilling his assignment, but he came in and he's actually not been in to speak to the house. I wanna say it's been about two and a half years. And so uh, the word that he gave was, uh, a very directional word. It was a very prophetic word. And you're going to hear me reference that word some today, but you're also going to hear me reference that word many times over the next six months, because one of the things that he said that I choose to link my faith up with, and I choose to just believe is he said, these next six months are very, very important months. In, in fact, he said that these next six months will determine the rest of our lives, the way that we seek God, the way that we press into God. He says, there is a window of grace. There's a window of grace and a momentum that God is giving to the people of God around the world to seek him in an unprecedented manner, in an unusual measure. And one of the things that he continued to exhort and even admonish us in is he said, do not take this with a casual approach. Do not take a casual approach to pursuing God in these next six months. And so my wife and I last night, before we went to sleep, we just listened to the message again prophesied a number of things over us personally and over the house. And we just began praying into that and asking for grace. And we believe that there is a grace to pursue. There are times and seasons where God releases special graces that literally create almost like a jet stream. There's a jet stream in the spirit that propels us forward to do uh, things that at other times would be more difficult to do. And so I'm choosing to link up and link in to that jet stream of grace. How many of you guys can uh, link your heart up with that? Yeah. And listen, you may not be there right now, but it, we got six months. And so I'm going to encourage you, pray into that. Ask God, say, Lord, give me the desire to do what I don't desire to do. Help, help my want to and uh, increase within me faith, increase hope and desire inside of me. Um, because again, I'm choosing to believe that these next, six, these next six months are very, very important. If you're here with us this year for the first time, you may hear these guys cheer and shout about fasting, and uh, that might seem unusual to you. And uh, in some way, it's unusual to me as well. It's very unusual to the flesh to shout and cheer and get excited about cutting things away that are very pleasurable and uh, that are very desirable. So today, what I want to do is I want to do a fasting, uh, basically an introduction to fasting. I'll tell you a little bit about our story and our history. This will be the fifth year that we've engaged in a corporate fast. 
It's not something that we do religiously. It's something that we do faithfully and with faith and with expectation. We do it biblically. We do it expecting that God will meet us in our place of pursuit. And I have found, even as I've been leading up to today, I have found that there has been a calibration in my mindset. There has been a calibration. It's almost like getting ready for a big game or getting ready for a race getting ready for something where you know you're gonna to have to dial in and focus in a more intense manner. And as we've approached tomorrow, I have found myself just becoming more and more focused. And I realized that there are times and seasons throughout our journey where the Lord has actually built in encounters. In fact, Mark Irwin has really helped me with this where he talked about the fact that many of the feasts that we find in the Old Testament, they're designed appointments with God. And so I, I want us to frame this fast with a mentality that this is a designed appointment with God. That this isn't something that we do ritualistically. This is something that we build into our calendar because we believe that there is a window of an opportunity to connect with God and encounter God in an unusual manner. And I don't know about you, but as far as I'm concerned, I do not want to miss visitations with God. Now, I understand that we can meet with God and we can visit with God and God can visit with us every day. But I also believe that there are windows of opportunity. There are divine appointments that he sets for us that are special and that are set apart. And we understand this in the natural. We have holidays, we have birthdays, we have uh, special seasons that we cut out on the, on, in the physical calendar. I believe in the spirit, it's the exact same thing, that God sets up special moments of encounter for us to meet with him. And I believe that these 21 days are a first fruits. They are a consecrated time that we are devoting to God. And we're saying, God, as we step into 2015, we're gonna give you our best and we're gonna give you our first. So if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna go through a number of scriptures today. And first I wanna talk about the what of fasting. What exactly is fasting for those of you who are joining us today for the very first time or for those for you who are joining our fast for the very first time. Very, very simply, fasting is to abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. There have been times throughout this year where I've abstained from food, but it's not been for a spiritual purpose. If y'all know what I mean. <laughs> been, put, been putting on some poundage. I, you know, I think that uh, we may all be able to slip into some clothes that we've grown out of as a byproduct of the fast, but that's not its primary purpose. And in fact, I want to encourage you, if you're just fasting with us to lose weight, you'll probably gain a lot of it back if you don't build in the right habits. And so I want to encourage you to dial in that we're cutting things out of our eating routine for spiritual purposes. That's very, very simply what it is. I know some people uh, say, well, I'm fasting media or I'm fasting movies, I'm fasting Facebook. Well, technically and biblically, that's not really a fast. I believe that we should cut those things out. I'll talk more about that here in a minute or two when I get to that point. But technically and biblically, that's not really a fast. Scripturally, to fast means to abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. In your Bible, if you would turn with me to the book of Matthew, and I really encourage you to walk with me through the scriptures and take tons of notes and listen to these messages over and over again. 
I find that when I engage in the fast for the 21 days, the more I can listen to messages on fasting. One of my favorite preachers who preaches on fasting is a man by the name of Jensen Franklin. And uh, I just listen to his messages and I wanna fast all year long and then reality hits me. Uh, But he just so inspires me and motivates me. He builds my faith. He harnesses my determination by the spirit of God. And I encourage you to listen as many messages on fasting as you possibly can. We have some messages from previous years that we're re-uploading so that you can have access to them. So number one, what is a fast? A fast is a discipline of devotion. It's a discipline. There's an incredible book written by Richard Foster called Celebration of Disciplines. And he has an entire chapter devoted specifically to fasting. There are many disciplines that are designed to help us draw near to God. They are not designed to be a substitute for our relationship with God. They are not designed to be something that we take pride in. They're designed to facilitate a heart connection with God. They're designed to help us grow. Just like the athlete has disciplines that he or she engages with, the musician has disciplines that he or she engages with in order to help them advance and help them grow. There are spiritual disciplines that are designed to help us advance and to help us grow spiritually. And fasting is one of them. Reading our Bible, prayer, worship, solitude, silence, Giving. These are all disciplines. Fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines. In Matthew chapter 6, I want to look very quickly at verse 1, and we're going to highlight a couple of verses and land on one that relates to fasting. In verse 1, Jesus says, Be careful. Don't do your acts of righteousness before men in order to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. I want to hit a couple of ideas here. Number one is we are not fasting to be seen by one another, but we are fasting corporately and we're inviting every single one of you to pray and to consider fasting with us corporately. That being said, you don't have to get weird if you're fasting, if you're going out with a friend and going, you know, we all know that one, each of us are fasting, so you don't have to go, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not eating that right now because I'm fasting before the Lord. Just be very, very natural about it. Say, you know, I don't really prefer that right now, or I'm just, I'm not doing lunch at this moment. You don't have to be weird about it because we're not doing this to be seen by men. Uh, but look at this right here. It says, but if you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Watch this. There is an implication that there are certain disciplines that receive rewards from heaven. I want to say that one more time. It is okay to understand that there are certain things that we engage in. And in so doing, there are rewards that God sends from heaven. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God For we must believe that he hears us and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you realize that as we diligently seek God, there's a reward? There is a reward. I choose to believe that he is my utmost reward. He is our portion and he is our reward. And friend, listen, if you have not walked in in covenantal friendship with God, if you've not experienced relationship with God where you experience his pleasure and his smile and his friendship, where you experience his voice on a regular basis, friend, you're missing out completely. 
Now, I appreciate the blessings of heaven. I love healing. I love walking in the gifts of the spirit. I love the miraculous. I love receiving the blessings financially. But I'm telling you, those are all secondary to the reward of receiving Christ. The reward, and I'm, I'm talking about just receiving Christ in our heart and going on our own way. I'm talking about the reward of possessing God the reward of him possessing us, the reward of knowing him deeply and knowing him intimately and walking in covenantal friendship. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 25, 14, it says that God shares his secrets with those who fear him. God shares his secrets with those who fear him. And I wanna be a man. I remember, I remember sitting out at the Garden of the Gods one day, just meditating on that scripture and hanging out with God. And I said, God, I wanna be a man you can share your secrets with. I want Antioch to be a house you can share your secrets with. I want you fathers to be fathers that God can share secrets with. I, I'm here to tell you today, God has secrets that are, that'll change your marriage. He has secrets to share with you that'll change the way that you're training your children in righteousness. He has secrets to share with you that will literally change the entire trajectory of your life. And I want those secrets and I want us to possess those secrets. Let's look here at verse two of Matthew six. Jesus says, so when you give to the needy, say when you give. give. Look at verse five. Verse five says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, say when you pray. And now look at verse 16. It says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, say "When when you fast. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, say when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you were fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, one of the reasons we get so excited around here is because we have experienced the reward of fasting corporately. Friends, I believe that we are here where we are at only by the grace of God, only in response to our faithful and fervent pursuit of him in the natural, there is no way in the world that we should be here right now. And I don't have time to go into our story on why I say that, but man, when, when, when Dutch handed that baton off uh, five years ago, I'm telling you the future looked very dismal. And our outcome looked very, very bleak, but we just pressed into God and we fasted and we prayed and we cried out and God began restoring marriages. God began raising up leaders. God began filling this atmosphere with his presence. God began galvanizing us together. And I'm telling you, I truly believe that as long as we have these disciplines that draw us near to God, and as long as he continues to reward us for our faithful pursuit of him, our future was always bright. Our best days and our brightest days, I believe with all of my heart, are ahead of us as long as he continues to be faithful to his word, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. When you fast, the implication there is a part of a disciplined lifestyle and it's a part of a devotional lifestyle that draws us near to him. Number two, what a fast is, it's worship. It's worship. And David, I'm starting to feel that heat up here, brother. So he said, hey, if it starts getting a little toasty, just let me know. Number two, it's worship. In your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, chapter 12, verses one through two. We're gonna look at 
Romans 12, and then we're going to jump back to Matthew 12. Anytime we make decisions, conscious decisions, whether those decisions are serving one another, whether those decisions are working diligently, doing our best, showing up on time, being excellent, whether we make decisions to press into God uh, in a very concentrated manner, all of those things, friends, are worship unto the Lord. They bring him glory. They exalt who he is. They magnify his place in our lives and they magnify his place in our world and in the world. Romans 12, one says, therefore I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Perhaps no other time in my Christian walk do I experience the reality of this verse than when I fast, that I present my body as a living sacrifice. You get weak, you get fatigued, you get headaches, you get dizzy, you get, you get irritable, and you constantly feel the effect of what it is that you're doing. I heard one author say one time, one of the greatest ways that we fulfill the scripture to pray without ceasing is when we fast. Because every moment that you're choosing to go without food, every moment you're choosing to cut those things away, it is a continual prayer. It is a weapon of warfare. It is a continual sacrifice and an offering to God. Let's keep reading. It says, this then is your spiritual act of worship. Fasting is a form of worship to God. Fasting elevates, fasting amplifies, fasting glorifies the presence and the power of God in our lives. Look with me at Matthew chapter 12. Let me just warn you, because we're doing a survey of fasting today, we're doing a, an introduction, we're gonna be looking at a lot of scriptures. Matthew chapter 12, and um, look at verse 24. Actually, I wrote down the, the wrong chapter there. That's uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Forgive me. Matthew 16, 24. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What I wanna to submit to you today is that fasting is a way that we deny ourselves. And it's a way that we take up our cross and we pursue him. One of the things that I am believing and I'm releasing my faith for in greater measure this year is a greater intensity of pursuit of God in my life. A greater intensity of pursuit of God in my life. If you know people that excelled in sports at an earlier time of the, their lives, many people talk to them about revisiting the glory days. And listen, I've had encounters with God in the seventh grade. I've had encounters with God in the 10th grade, encounters with God as a senior in high school. And all of those were beautiful benchmarks and beautiful altars that have propelled me to where I am right now. But I don't wanna live the rest of my life always talking about some past encounter with God. I don't, I don't be looking back and going, man, you know, that one time when I was a senior in high school and I cried out to God on an altar, I don't want to talk about that one time when I was in Indonesia and God visited me. I want to talk about now. I want to build an altar now. I want a fresh encounter with God now. And I want to deny myself and pick up my cross and I want to find where God is now is not where he was when I was 20 years ago. He's at a new place. He's drawing you to a new place. And he's saying, why don't you deny yourself? Pick up your cross, follow me. There's new places for us to go in the spirit. 
Friends, I want to, one of the things that happens that when I begin fasting is I, I begin realizing the amount of apathy, the amount of lethargy and complacency that has crept into my life. And there's something about the power of fasting that breaks that lethargy off of your life. It awakens your spirit to the fact that God has more. Number three, fasting is warfare. Fasting is a discipline of devotion. Fasting is a component of worship. And fasting is a weapon of warfare. It's a phenomenal book written by Derek Prince, foreword by Lou Engel. And it says, it's, uh, the title is Changing History Through Prayer and Fasting. Changing History through prayer and fasting. And those of you who are very familiar with the prayer and intercession movement, you know that when you begin coupling prayer and worship with fasting, it's almost like an immediate upgrade on your weapons. And, uh, and I've preached this before when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to an understanding that we have an enemy, now let's just start there, you have an enemy. We have an enemy. There is a devil that does not like you. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to succeed. In fact, Christian and I were just talking about this last night. And we were talking about, it seems as if every time we make concerted efforts in our marriage, concerted efforts to be very, very strategic with growing our family, there's just these interruptions and distractions and things that hit us and sickness that comes against us. And I said, well, you know, the enemy doesn't want us to have a strong marriage. You know, the enemy doesn't want us to raise up godly arrows in the earth and shoot them to, to, into the culture. The enemy doesn't want that. Not that I blame everything on the enemy, but we have to understand that there is an enemy at hand. He wars against your soul and he's gonna unleash hell against you every time you choose to move forward and advance ground in the kingdom of God. But here I'm here to tell you today that there is a weapon of warfare that will help advance you and get you gains and help you uh, accomplish more in the spirit and it's fasting. It is fasting. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Mark, chapter 9. Without going into the entire story, Jesus is up on a mountain with three of his disciples. He's, a, he's having an encounter with the Father. Moses and Elijah show up. In the scriptures, it's usually known as the transfiguration. While he's up on this mountain, the rest of the nine disciples are down and they encounter a father who out of his desperation brings his boy to these disciples. And he says, listen, I don't know what's going on, but from time to time, he just throws himself down on the ground and uh, this, this evil spirit comes and torments him and I don't know what to do. And I've preached this message many times as I preach to fathers and I talk about the fact that when, when, when the world comes to us, when the world comes and says, I don't know what to do with my children anymore and I don't know why they're acting the way that they're acting and, and, and literal demonic spirits who torment and torture the minds and the hearts of a young generation, when they come to the church, will we have the power? Will we have the authority to deal with those things like, like Jesus dealt with those things? And as the story goes, these disciples do everything they can and still that demon does not leave that boy and then Jesus comes on the scene. And if we'll pick up the story here, I, I like to pick it up here at verse 20 in Mark chapter nine. So they brought him and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the father said from childhood. 
It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you come out of him and never return again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet. Verse 28, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not drive him out? And Jesus replied, this kind comes out only by prayer. And some translations say by prayer and fasting. I'm not much of a gamer. This is probably a bad example, but I I had a friend of mine. I do understand some concepts here. And and I had a friend of mine who showed me this game a few weeks ago. And and, and in this game, there's this quest. I don't even know what the name of the game is called. But uh, there's, there's this good army and there's this bad army. And, and basically if somebody, and there's, and there's ranks, there's all these ranks. And if, if a lower guy on the totem pole kills you or kills your character, then he like muscles up and he like gets, he gets advanced or he gets promoted. And so, you know, these guys are warring and warring and warring. And essentially the, the, the further the game goes, you'll actually get down quite a ways and you'll see somebody, you'll go, wait a minute, I recognize that guy. That's the guy who took my character out, but now he's, he's stronger. He got promoted. How many of you know that there are ranks in the demonic? There are ranks in the demonic. So somebody might say, well, I thought we have authority. I thought we have the blood of Jesus. I thought we have the name of Jesus. I thought we have the word of God. Well, that is true. But authority is commensurate to your level in the spirit. It's commensurate. And so if, if you're trying to take out high level demonic forces that you've not built up the strength or the power of the authority to do, friend, you will get taken out. And as this story very, very clearly states, you will not, you, you will not be able to overtake that which you have not built authority, anointing and power to face. Here Jesus is saying essentially this kind, this level this, this rank will only come out by a higher degree of prayer and a higher degree of fasting because those are weapons of our warfare. Friend, there's probably some of you who have, are still struggling with certain besetting sins, still wrestling with certain addictions, still, still facing certain things that are, have become setbacks in your life or maybe even in your generational line. And I wanna encourage you today, consider fasting and prayer. Consider that as you fast and as you pray, here's what I believe happens. I believe God releases keys of authority. They are are incremental in nature. And that as we press into God, we graduate in the spirit to handle things that are of increasing difficulty, to handle higher level opponents in our lives. I believe that's the, the scripture is very, very clear on that. Let me talk for a few minutes here on why we fast. We said that fasting is to abstain from food for a spiritual reason. It's a discipline of devotion. It is a component of our worship and it is a weapon of our warfare. That is what fasting is. But let's talk about why we do this. Very simply, number one, we do this out of obedience. 
I believe the Bible is very, very clear. This is, this is not uh, something that we do legally. This is not something that we do under the law, although there are many, many stories in the Old Testament where the entire nation of Israel would fast very, very often. There are many stories uh, in the Old Testament where individuals would fast for very, very specific reasons. But just because those stories are found in the Old Testament does not mean they do not have merit for the dispensation of grace in the new covenant that we are under. We fast out of obedience. Look with me in the book of Luke, chapter four. The context here is Jesus has just been baptized by his cousin John. And he is baptized to fulfill what his cousin John and the scriptures say, you must be baptized to fulfill righteousness. In other words, you must, you must do this because this is appropriate in the kingdom. And here in Luke chapter four, verse one, the Bible says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and he was led by the spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil and he ate nothing during those days and at the end of them, he was hungry. Greatest understatement <laughs> I have ever read in the scriptures. You think? After 40 days, he was hungry. Look at the progression here. Jesus, he, he was, verse one says he was full of the spirit then it says he was led by the spirit. He fasts for 40 days. He resists the enemy. And look with me at verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. There is a progression in the spirit. Become full of the spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are led by the spirit. We obey him. We submit to him. We follow his leadership. We, we obey and then as we continue to walk alongside of the Holy Spirit, following his leadership, following his guidance, saying no to our soul, saying no to our flesh, saying yes to the spirit, fasting and praying, we emerge in increasing measures of the power of the spirit. Friend, the power of the spirit is available for your life. And I believe here scripturally, as we see that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, fasting and praying, he emerges in the power of the Spirit. I believe that he has given us a pattern. Full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, fasting and praying, resisting the devil, you will graduate into greater degrees of the power of the Spirit. And you may not know this right now, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget when there was a minister, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and he came and he turned to me as a sophomore in high school and he said, son, you don't know this now, but what that man is offering, you need. You must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, bring it on, I want it. And friends, I'm telling you, there's not a day I don't pray in the Spirit and there's not a day that I wanna live without praying in the Spirit. I don't know how people who don't have the baptism of the Spirit do it. I need the fullness, the leadership and the power of the Spirit every day of my life. Well, Jesus was obedient to the leadership of the Spirit. This is one of the reasons why we fast. Number two, we fast to position our hearts. I wanna be very clear about something in terms of our motivation. We do not fast to move God. We fast to move ourselves. God is God, he does not change. He is sovereign, he is static. He was always who he is. He is always who he chooses to be. He chooses to participate and co-labor and partner with humanity. But we don't, that fasting is not some form of magic. It's not witchcraft, right? Fasting, if anything, what fasting does is fasting changes us. 
throughout the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms, and I'm gonna go to one of these scriptures here in a minute. In fact, you can go ahead and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 21, very peculiar passage of scripture. But what I've discovered in my study of fasting more intensely the past five years is that fasting is one of the primary methods by which we humble our souls. In the Old Testament, you'll find fasting that is associated with weeping and mourning. We find that in Joel chapter two. Fasting is associated with sackcloth and ashes and repentance. Fasting is sometimes coupled with seasons of grief because fasting is one of the primary ways that we humble our soul. Now, let me just push pause here for a second before we look at this passage of scripture. We live in a country, we live in a time of life not even to mention, not even to mention that your sinful humanity and my sinful humanity craves power. We crave control. We crave being the top dog. We crave success. We crave accomplishment. We crave these things. It's built into us because of the sin nature. When Adam sinned, essentially what he was saying was, I don't want God's rule in my life. I wanna be the one that makes all the decisions. So that's built into you. Self-sufficiency is built into us. Are you hearing me today? All right. It's one of the reasons, one of the reasons I I preached, I don't know if it was two years ago, but we talked about uh, fasting to overcome the lusts and the appetites of the flesh. One of the appetites of the flesh is the appetite for control. It's the appetite to not have authority in our lives. It's the appetite to be self-sufficient. What fasting does when you fast, especially when you fast for a long amount of time, you find out exactly how dependent you are. Once you start getting to day five and day seven and day 11 and day 15, and then you start seeing, you start, you're on the other half of the fast and you're, you're starting to see the end in sight and every temptation in heaven or not heaven in hell <laughs> comes against you. And you begin, and you begin having all of these thoughts and, and, and you just realize how weak you are. I mean, I can remember times going, God, if you don't come and supernaturally sustain me, I'm going to eat that entire bag of chips right now. And I'm not even going to feel bad about it. Pizza is my fasting weakness. You know what fasting does is fasting says, God, I willingly choose to give up my strength I willingly choose weakness so that I can experience your strength. I'm telling you, if you've never done this in your life, it will change your relationship with God. I believe sometimes, especially as Americans, with our finances and with our health and with our workout regiments, with our clothes, with our lifestyles, we've become so self-sufficient that we essentially don't need God. People ask the question all the time, why don't we see miracles in America like we see in Africa? I don't, I'm not God, I don't know the complete answer to that, but I think one of the answers is, is that we don't need miracles like people in Africa and people in Asia need miracles. When you get yourself to that place where you say, God, I am stripping myself of all of the crutches and the support systems that I've built up around my life and I am choosing weakness and humility of soul so that I can encounter your power and strength in a fresh way. Friend, I'm telling you, he meets you and he changes you. Look at 1 Kings chapter 21 with me. It's an interesting story about a guy named Ahab. Ahab, one of the most wicked kings In Old Testament history, many of you may recognize his wife, whose name was Jezebel. 
Ahab has an encounter with a prophet named Elijah. And so that we get the full context here, look with me at verse 20. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of Israel. I have found you, he answered. That sounds so epic. You have found me. I have found you. (laughs) Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, I am going to bring disaster on you. I will consume your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to sin. Dogs. Uh, and also concerning Jezebel, he says some things about Jezebel. We'll just skip over that. And bad, bad stuff. Vile, bad, bad entrails. Verse 25, he behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites, the Lord drove out before Israel. Look at verse 27. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and he fasted. Wickedest king in all of Israel, tore his clothes and he fasted. And he lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he says, have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Now, it's no accident that we find fasting in the context of humility because scripturally fasting is one of the ways that we humble our soul, not to move God, but to move us. Fasting helps us go low. You know, in the scriptures there in 1 Peter chapter five, where it says, humble yourselves before God and what will he do? He will exalt you or he will lift you up in due time. One of the ways, if you wanna be exalted, friend, if you're praying for a promotion, if you need breakthrough in your life, one of the greatest things you can do is humble yourself through fasting. And he will exalt you in due time. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. Number two, or letter B to point to in terms of positioning ourselves. When we fast, we position ourselves not only in humility, but we position ourselves to hear. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, we position ourselves to hear. How many of you guys are feeling a little faith build in your heart for the season that we're going into? And for those of you who don't know if you're just there just yet, don't worry. We're not here to manipulate you. We're only here to extend invitations and also to bring revelation to help with those invitations. Daniel chapter 10, I'm not gonna read the entire passage, but for your own time of reading, verse one through the entire, through verse 14, very, very good. I'm gonna start with verse one. I'm gonna skip some things. I'm gonna jump in to verse 14. In the year of King Cyrus of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel and its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. Some people ask why 21 days? Well, this is our pattern. Scripturally, Daniel fasted for 21 days when he needed a powerful breakthrough. And we just decided it's better than 40. (laughs) Not quite as good as 10. So... (laughs) At that time, I mourned for three weeks and I ate no choice food. So we fasted. I ate no meat or, sw- or wine touched my lips and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. One of the types of fasts is what is known as a Daniel fast. There's lots of books out there 
and uh, many people customize that fast. It's a great starter fast, and many people customize that fast to be a fast of what they call no meats and no sweets. And uh, I've cheated on that because there's a lot of great things that you can eat that don't fall in the meats or sweets category. And uh, <laughs> so I would just encourage you to uh, keep, the <laughs> keep the spirit of the fast intact. <laughs> You get a great cheese pizza from Joey's, man. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Dear God, help me. Help me. <laughs> oh, goodness. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, check this out. I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold. He had an encounter with God at the end of his fast which is interesting because many of us expect to have encounters with God during the fast. And let me just prepare you. Some of your greatest encounters will not happen during the fast. It's, it's your time of battle. It's your time of labor. It's your time of contending. Your, your joy, many times, your answers, your fulfillment, your encounters, many times come after the fast. Not saying that you won't have revelation or encounters during the fast, but I'm saying, I believe that when we fast before the Lord, many times we, don't, we won't even see the answers till July or August or September or December. It's a form of, of living offensively, not defensively, not reactively. You know, you don't train for the games on the day of. You prepare and you work and you're diligent leading up to the, to the game and then you, you, you give it your all and then you experience victory at the end. Sometimes when we fast, we release things into motion for the rest of our year. And I'm believing that in these six months that the Lord is actually calling us into a season of concentrated fasting and prayer. There might even be times, I know I said this last year, but I, I believe that in these next six months, there may be times when the Lord says, I'm calling you to another three day or a five day or a 10 day or a 21 day. And I just believe that this six months is gonna be a time of that. And I believe that when we do that in these six months, there may be things that will set in motion for our grandchildren. And we'll never see them on this side of eternity, but as we show ourselves faithful in the same way that wicked Ahab set something in motion for his son, I believe that when we fast and pray before the Lord, we set things in motion for our sons and our daughters. And there are actually scriptures that speak specifically to fasting for your children and for your generations. Well, look at verse 12. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself, here's that word humbling again, or posturing and positioning yourself before God. It says, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Again, here we have our precedent for why we fast 21 days. Let me just explain this. I don't have time to expound on it, but I wanna at least introduce this. Again, identifying ranks and identifying strongholds and strengths. There, there is something about time as it relates to overcoming certain strongholds. And for some reason here with Daniel and this demonic principality of Persia that wrestled in the angelic realms, it was a war for 21 days. See, the harder the spoils that you're fighting for, the larger the opponent you're facing, the longer it may be that you have to stay in that fight. Are you with me on that? Are you hearing me today? Yes. You, 
it's the same as the story of Hezekiah. You guys remember King Hezekiah, he's about to die. Prophet comes to him. He says, listen, the Lord's gonna you know, grant you uh, victory over your enemies. He's gonna give you more life. He says, take these arrows and strike the ground. How many times did Hezekiah strike that ground? You guys remember? Three times. And what did the prophet say to him? Why did you just strike the ground three times? You should have struck the ground. That, that striking of the ground was a prophetic act. It was a prophetic act that activated and released something. And I can't say that I, I understand all of this, but all I do understand is that God is saying that when you do this, that this is actually symbolic and it's, you're actually releasing something in the spirit beyond yourself. And if you just want a victory three times over, strike the ground three times. But if you want complete annihilation over that sin, if you don't want that besetting sin to touch your children and your grandchildren, stick with it fast longer press in deeper strike the ground more than three times don't take the easy route go the distance give it a little bit more green light yourself that's what the prophet was saying to king Hezekiah. there's more there's more don't be satisfied one of the mantras that i've been saying to my kids here recently as i'm having them do some more chores is do things right don't do things easy do things right don't do things easy. Number three, we fast for consecration. Look with me at Daniel chapter one. We fast to consecrate and set apart our lives to God. It is a form of saying, Lord, I am cutting out the fat. I am cutting out, I am circumcising my life before you. Circumcision in the Old Testament was a form of covenant. It was the sign of covenant in the male body. Circumcision now in the New Testament is something that happens in our heart. But I believe fasting is one of the ways that we circumcise our lives before the Lord. We, set, we cut away the pleasures of the world so that we can gain the pleasures of heaven. Daniel chapter one, we find the story of Daniel who was a Hebrew boy. He was taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. He and three Hebrew friends of his We'll pick it up in verse six. It says, among those were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And the chief officials gave to them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Fasting is a form of consecration. Fasting is a, is a way that helps us overcome the compromise of the spirit of the age. And listen, it creeps into us. It creeps into our mindsets, into our attitude. It creeps into our worldview. The spirit of the age abounds. And one of the ways that we, we, we cut ourselves away in a healthy way from the spirit of the age that, that just creeps in and lulls us to sleep and lulls us into apathy and complacency is fasting. It's a way of saying, God, I am presenting myself as a sacrifice unto you, holy and acceptable and blameless. It's a way of not defiling ourselves before the Lord. There's something very powerful that happens here. Daniel said, it says here, it says that he, de he decided or he resolved, 
I'm not gonna defile myself. Friend, if you need help with willpower, if you need help with resolve, and fasting is not about willpower, it is about the grace of God, but I'm here to tell you, it does take a resolve to go through an extended fast. And I will also tell you this, if you have a problem with certain sins in your life, fasting will strengthen your resolve. You got a problem walking in courage. You got a problem uh, walking in conflict, resolution, people at your work. You got a problem standing up for righteousness. You find yourself constantly slipping into those crude jokes. Scripture here is very, very clear. As we engage in the power of fasting, it strengthens our resolve for righteousness. In Antioch, that is what we are called to. That is what you're called to. Number four, one of the reasons why we fast is for corporate breakthrough and deliverance. We need breakthrough in Antioch Church. There are people that are in this house that need to be healed. There are people in this house that need to go to another level. There are, there are ministries in this house that must be activated, that must be strengthened. There are global ministries in this house that must go further. There are ministry, there are people, and when I, I'm talking about all of you, there are marriages, there are families that are under fire. We must have corporate breakthrough. There are souls that are assigned to this family. There is influence in this city that God has called us to have and we must have corporate breakthrough. There is, a, there is a quality of anointing of worship that we must purchase and we must have corporate breakthrough. And the scripture here is in Esther chapter four. In Esther chapter four, turn there with me if you would. The entire context here is found in the entire chapter but I'm just gonna begin in verse 12. Esther chapter four, verse 12. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. So for those of you who are not familiar with the story, this man Mordecai is aware now of a new decree that has been set in motion by the king that was written by the king's evil advisor that essentially says, we're going to destroy, we're going to annihilate all the Jews in Persia. Mordecai gets word of this and he knows that Esther, who is the king's queen, has access and availability to change the king's heart. And he appeals to her and he says, you've got to go talk to the king. Well, there's a rule in the land that says you can't approach the king unless he invites you or else you'll potentially be killed unless he pardons you. So look at Esther's response in verse 15. Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are in Susa, fast for me. Do not eat or drink. This is called the Esther fast. You probably only do this for a maximum of three days. It's in times of utter desperation and complete dependence upon God. It says, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She was fasting and she was calling a nation to fast because a nation needed breakthrough and deliverance. Had they not gained the favor of heaven so they could have the favor of man, literally an entire people group would have been annihilated from the earth. But because... The prophetic word of the Lord came 
because a people responded and because they pressed in and completely humbled themselves before the Lord, he moved in favor. The king moved in favor. Esther had favor with her husband, the king, and he found the, and, and, and wicked plans were exposed. Friends, I believe that the assignments of the enemy against your life and against your family, as you fast, they will be exposed. They will be revealed and they will be countered as we fast before the Lord. What happens when we fast here? Let me just say this very, very quickly. What happens when we fast? Fasting intensifies our seeking. Fasting focuses our faith. Fasting awakens our hunger and it stokes our spiritual appetite. Fasting opens our ears to hear and postures our hearts to receive. Fasting breaks the power of our flesh and fasting accelerates our spiritual growth. Let me just give you in the next two minutes some very practical things to think through as you're praying about your fast. How do we fast? Number one, we fast with God's grace. No, we don't want no fasting Nazis around here. This is not a competition. All right? You, every single one of us is in a different place. We're not all called to the same type of fast. We're all invited to participate with the fast that the Lord leads us in. You know, last year... Last year was an extremely difficult year of my life. As we entered into the fast, we uh, were about in the third month of our twins being born. And I seriously went to work with the Lord and, and asked God, as I do every year, Lord, what are you asking of me? What are you leading me into? And the Lord graciously invited me into a, a less restricted fast last year. And to be quite frank, there were some people that did not understand that and judged me pretty harshly for that. And then there were some people that were actually praising God. They were saying, we're really, we're really scared for you. I mean, you're getting an hour of sleep a night and uh, doing that on top of not eating any food. It's just not healthy. And so what I want to encourage you to do is that we are looking for the spirit of the fast. We are not looking for the legal law of the fast. That being said, friend, if you, if you make a mistake, if you end up eating that bag of chips or you end up skipping for a day, listen, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is examining the motivation and the posture of our hearts. God, our heart is for you. We humble ourselves. We want everything that has been preached and everything that has been promised. And that is why we're doing this and we're going after you. And if you mess up, friend, pick yourself back up, silence the voice of the accuser and you get back on your fasting horse and you keep riding after God. Number two, we, we wanna fast with expectation. One of the things that has become very helpful for me is always going into a fast with a focus. Whether that's, and listen, you may need financial breakthrough, put that down. Say, God, I am believing that as I fast before you and you draw me close and I humble my heart, I believe you're gonna give me keys of breakthrough that are gonna change my financial future. I believe you're gonna rearrange habits in my life. I believe you're gonna show me the keys to my children. Fred, if you have a wayward child, put that down on your list and say, God, I am fasting and asking you to give me the keys to my children's hearts. I'm asking you to turn their lives around. You can believe for those things. Have a focus for your fast. Just like working out, have goals, have regiments, know what you're doing it for, know why you're doing it in the same way. This is your spiritual regiment. Know what it is that you're hoping to get out of this. I'm, I'm, I'm compiling my list and I'm adding to it on a daily basis. Number three, fast with wisdom. 
fast with wisdom. Here's what I mean by this. A couple of things. If you have medical issues, you ought to consult your physician. Be serious about this. Number two, letter B, do this gradually. My mom had me fasting in the fifth grade. First day I ever fasted, it was a new year in the fifth grade, complete water fast all day long. It was hellacious. It was horrible. But I, I would never encourage someone to try to do a 21 day water fast if they haven't done a one day water fast. All right, I would say start with the Daniel fast or stagger this, do seven days of no meats and then do seven days of such and such and then do seven days. There's so many ways you can get creative with this. Be free, be creative and experience joy in this. And only you know if, if, uh, if, if you're not pushing yourself. That being said, there are some of you that work late hours. There are some of you that work graveyard shifts. There are some of you that work very strenuous jobs. Some of our men in the military and uh, you gotta do wake up and do PT every day and, and, your, and your job is grueling. Some of our construction workers. And I would say, listen, you, you may ask the Lord if there's a different type of fast that he has for you. The spirit of it is God, I'm going after you and I'm cutting things out in my pursuit. Use wisdom, come off of your fast slowly. Read, study. We're gonna be sending out an email that has different books on fasting. Feed your fasting faith. Feed your fasting focus. And understand what you may experience. Friends, you'll experience fatigue. First three days are usually the most difficult. If you're a coffee drinker and you go off coffee, you'll probably experience headaches for the first three days. It gets better. But the first three days can be very, very difficult. It can be painful. You may find yourself being very, very tired, rest read the scriptures, pray, find yourself in God's presence and drink lots and lots and lots of water. If you drink juices, try to drink, uh, you know, freshly pressed juices. Most of the stuff that we buy in the stores are laced with so much sugar and junk in them that they're not, they're not really good juices for you. All right, and we'll continue to educate you and send more stuff out here in the weeks to come. Come off of your fast slowly. People have died because they have fasted 21 days on just water or 40 days on just water and then went out and slammed down a 20 ounce steak. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, and finally, fast with determination. If you go into this and say, well, you know, maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do a week, but we'll see how I feel, you're not gonna do it. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. If there's a maybe, the, the probability is that you're, 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 it's gonna be a no. You've got to go in and say, you don't, no, no, no competitor goes and go, well, you know, I'm going to work out a little bit and maybe I'll beat that guy. Nobody does that. You're going to say, I will. I will, I will commit. I will focus. I will finish. And that being said, let's all stand to our feet. And I want to pray over the next 21 days. One of the best ways that you and I can stay committed to the fast that the Lord has called us to is if we fast as a community. Knowing that you've got brothers and sisters around you, I tell you, com coming into our staff, our office on a, on a daily basis during the fast and knowing that I've got guys that are fasting with me, it just helps you. Find yourself plugged into a life group. If you're not plugged into a life group, we're gonna have nights of worship and nights of prayer uh, in our life groups during this 21 day fast. What, what a great way to connect spiritually to people. Fasting, fast for the city, fast for your family, fast for one another, fast for the church, fast for our nation, fast for souls. Believe that God's gonna do great things in your life. And friend, listen, I wanna encourage you, 
seriously pray. If you're new with us and you're saying, this is, this is crazy. I can tell you, I can tell you, and maybe we'll try to engineer this during the fast, but there have been people whose lies, they have, there are so many testimonies. I got a good buddy of mine, special forces guy. He's not here with us right now, but still part of our family. And I remember I preached this on fasting two years ago. And, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this. Sounds crazy, but I, I'm gonna do this. And that guy, he just set his heart to fasting and praying and seeking God and experienced incredible breakthrough in his own life. Besetting sins, broken, hunger for God increased. And, and I'm telling you, I'm here to say, man, I'm so proud of him. He's pursuing God like never before. Young believer at the time and now has just tremendously grown. You may, you may say, I can't do the whole 21 days. That's fine. Why don't you do one day with us? Just do one. Maybe you'll cut a, a, a meal out for lunch. Maybe you'll say, I'm not gonna fast all day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut breakfast out or I'm gonna cut lunch out. And I'm gonna, instead of, instead of eating lunch, I'm gonna read my word or I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray over my family or pray for the house or pray for the city. There's lots of ways to do this and you're free. There's freedom here and there's life. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless Antioch Church and I bless the families of this house. Lord, every single one of us are in different places and positions on our journey. And some of us, you are calling us to to do more this year. You're calling us to extend. You're calling us to expand. Some of us are just beginning and there's grace and there's freedom and there's life. And we release the grace of the Lord now over Antioch for the next 21 days and for the next six months. Father, we, re- we receive your amazing grace. And Father, I agree now. I pray for breakthrough. I pray in the name of Jesus for miracles. I pray for revelation. I pray for keys to be revealed and released that will unlock doors that have been locked up and holding us back. Father, I pray for understanding and wisdom to be released. I pray for a hunger and a passion and an awakening of spirit, God, in Antioch Church that will propel us to the next level that you've called us to. We commit this to you. It is holy. We set our faith and we set our sights with seriousness and also with joy. And Father, I declare transformation over this people in Jesus' name. Amen.